0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now, let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. Uh, ESPN troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. This week, Zach Harper's out of town, so we've got Aaron Falk joining us. He's the Utah Jazz beat writer from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, taking pictures of me in the studio, uploading them to unknown social medias. I'm, I'm very concerned, but Aaron, how are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course. <laughs> He's enjoying it a little bit too much. Um, I, having Aaron on the show is great. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we're now, like, in the first week of the doldrums of the NBA offseason. Summer League's officially over. Uh, the free agents out there that are still left is, is, is a pretty dreary class. We've got Dion Waiters is the best guy still out there. And then once you get past, like, J.R. Smith, it gets really sketchy with, like, Moti Yunus and Mario Chalmers and Mo Harkless and, well, some guys who um, may not even be NBA players. So... We're It's it's time to waste time, if you will. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, we've got stuff to talk about today. We're going to recap Summer League a little bit. Uh, Jazz had their last game after our last show, so we'll just talk about kind of our overall thoughts. I want to get your overall thoughts too, Aaron. I've been reading a lot of talk online about Trey Lyles' role next year and moving on into the future one important question I saw and kind of a thought-provoking one was whether or not Lyles will supplant Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert as one of the Jazz's starters moving forward. So we'll talk about that issue a little bit. Uh, I also heard about the idea of the, the Jazz making a consolidation trade. Now we've talked about all this depth that they have. Do they now need to like combine it and get you know the, the superstar that they've all been looking for? So we'll talk about some of those things in this first segment. We will have Dan Clayton on the show at, in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Salt City Hoops associate editor, so we'll we'll talk to him then. You excited?
2: I could not be more excited. I literally could not be more excited
1: uh, than I am right now. That's that's concerning. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about you. Uh, as always, you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson, or you can tweet Aaron. Do you want at Trib Jazz or at Aaron Falk? Because you're, you're a man of many social media accounts. I,
2: I am. Uh, let's go at Aaron Falk. I'll, I'll, it's, it's up. It's easy. Okay.
1: At Aaron Falk. Uh, or you can actually call us. we had a caller last week eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred like with the telephone with a telephone, people still do that. Well, one person once did that in the last couple of months. <laughs> you could be the next one though if you 're if you 're so so inclined eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred all right let 's get into it. uh starting with summer league so i I think it 's fair to say Trey Lyles was good. I mean he only ended up playing in four games overall. But scored a lot of points during those times. Do you think he? Do you think that performance mattered at all for how the Jazz view him uh, in the regular season and in the rotation?
2: I think it's you know it's it's the obvious litmus test that that everyone talks about. One, which is, is this guy the second year guy, the guy that's already had that experience? Can he come in and and dominate? I mean, go back a couple of years, Trey Burke, second summer league. Not so good. It, um, you know, we, we didn't see that separation that you wanted to see with Trey Lyles. I think everybody saw the separation that they wanted to see. So, you know, tick that box, and they shut him down as a result. A- absolutely. Um, and and then you know they saw him do something that he's really never done before. I mean, he's he's always been um kind of this, this team first guy, this this sort of you know amorphous piece that would would go and do whatever was needed. He played out of position at Kentucky. He he was. You know, played point guard at times for his high school team. He wasn't just this gunner ever. And they said, Trey, we have a summer league team that is really quite bad around you. <laughs> Please go out and take 17 shots a game. And he did it and he knocked down 45% of his three pointers. So I think, I think they were, um, you know, they, they want to see, I guess, how high that ceiling is, um, see what he could do in, in that different role. And, and I think he, you know, performed admirably. admirably. Then
1: on, as you pointed out, the rest of the roster was bad, and I think disappointingly bad. Like we, we, we kind of knew that without a Jazz draft pick this season and uh, no recently acquired young talent, that it would be kind of a bad summer league roster, right? Like, and even guys like Neto, who may have been on the roster, weren't because of uh, the Olympics. And so, that being said, guys like Tibor Plyce, uh a little bit Joel Ballenboy though i thought he redeemed himself with his late play um but guys like Marcus Page and Tyrone Wallace i think were less impactful than than you would hope
2: yeah i i mean those guys are they're going to be in Salt Lake Community College n- next season if if and i, I wouldn't be su- least bit surprised if some of those deals hadn't been worked out and even maybe worked out on draft night that right. that these guys were were coming here to be part of that. Um, you know, they both showed that they have some things to like. Uh, Marcus Page, you know, handled the ball okay. Uh, Tyrone Wallace was quite large for a point guard (laughs) still as tall (laughs) and you know that those are important things and then you know you hope that you know maybe maybe you can refine them in something and and get something out of them later you know through the d-league process
1: yeah like i I think i was maybe most disappointed in in page just because he was a four-year point guard uh because he had played at the highest levels of the college game and and so therefore i thought should have been had an easier transition into like the lowest levels of the pro game if you will the at least stateside at the Summer League. Uh, and I... So, th- to me, that was a little bit disappointing. I, I thought he did okay. I thought he shot relatively well. It was mostly the turnovers and really kind of lack of playmaking that I I didn't see there from, from Paige.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm And maybe you. I'm being too and harsh because it's, you know, it's Summer it's League. Summer whatever. League and guys, you know, it, one, they were, I think, Wallace and Paige both playing together probably threw yeah, him off a little bit, um, having that combination a, a lot of the time. But, you know... It's hard to take anything from from that small of a sample for a guy that's it's still a new process. They're still playing against you know grown men now and 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 maybe better competition. I I take your point that he's a four year player, but I I think I'm not gonna say he he can't ever become something. But he's small, right? He's 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 not a very big guard. Yeah. Um. And you know if he's not making three pointers, he's not if he's not uh playmaking like you said, then it's it's, it's a question.
1: I am out on Aaron Kraft just anti Aaron Kraft as a human. No, I'm not you as out a human, on like sorry. A, the, His,
2: like the Aaron Kraft T J McConnell battle, like that was the <laughs> like most summer of summer league thing yeah, you could have.
1: That's really it. It's just like I and actually I've grown to not hate T J McConnell as much as I previously did. because the hair. I maybe it may
2: be the hair. You hate bald people. Uh,
1: I just hate bald blonde people. Not blonde people. White people. Sorry. <laughs> uh that one was more racist. <laughs> No, I mean, it's just kind of like that niche of being the gutsy point guard who's not actually good at that many skills. I think TJ McConnell now has shown an NBA skill, which is his passing. Uh, Aaron Kraft, to me, got a lot of minutes on a roster that already got, had a lot of point guards on there, and therefore made it so that guys like Marcus Page and Tyrone Wallace had to play next to each other. Yeah. Um, and... I just also didn't like him in college. It's really what this, what it comes down
2: to. <laughs> you were Team Trey Burke.
1: I was Team Trey Burke. That, yeah, I, I was. That's, that's very true. You get a drop of that? <laughs> I was Team <laughs> Trey Burke. You've got it forever, John. Uh, we've got some questions coming in on Twitter. One at uh, from Caleb Cyril, Cyril. I don't know. I, he tweets us nearly every week. I should learn it. It appears Andy B. Larson is about to record a radio show, but, uh, but I'm hoping for the off chance he's about to drop some sick beats. So John, our producer, is in charge of the Sick Beats. Uh, I mean, it's Twilight concert night, so if you want your Sick Beats, Chet Faker has them down at at, uh, Pioneer Park for you. Listen,
2: if you were at Twilight, that would mean I would know someone playing at Twilight. (laughs) I'm too old. I have no idea what this lineup is. You kids have fun. Don't get too high and fall out of a tree. They're always smoking weed like 30 feet up in the tree. It's not safe. (laughs) It's not at all safe. Shame on you.
1: At Riley O'Brien, or at Riley Jazz. Riley O'Brien is his full name. Do you know when the NBA schedule will be released? Usually that happens mid-August. Um, I think it was August 17th or 18th last year. Yes. Uh, and then if Aaron were to wear the new sleeve jersey, could he go for 35 points? Is it a superpower jersey? Is that how
2: that works? 35 points? That Like, 3.5 on hotornot.com. That <laughs> like, maybe. Because no, no one has to see my upper arms, but... Uh, 35 points is not in, in I mean, we, Could, a- Andy, see me play pickup basketball. I've been out for a month because I tweaked my back playing two-on-two. Two. I'm not scoring three to five points.
1: Could you get 35 out of the Jazz 100? <laughs> Tony Jones of the Solid <laughs> Tribune says he can do 50. Can you do 35?
2: Make 35 three-pointers out of 100? Even even without the running involved in the Jazz 100, without like the, the cardio and, and other things, I have all the time to think about, to line up my shot, there's no way I'm making twenty five of those <laughs> no.
1: things. And from NBA distance, and yeah, I mean I no no shot. I I'm not even convinced Tony could. <laughs> Tony I want to see played- it. There are
2: two things that Tony has has put out there. One, that he could make what was it? Forty. Fifty. 50? He went fifty he and then he dropped, backtrack. he, he backtracked. True. And two, that he could beat Joe Ingalls in a foot race <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the length of the court and back. There is to no which way. Joe Ingalls said I will beat him in socks. <laughs> Absolutely, you would. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: I. I think just like due to leg length alone is is going to be a like Tony a full foot shorter than Joe Ingles is.
2: But I. I think that's something that needs to be set up.
1: Yeah, I. I. Tony makes all these claims, and yet we still haven't seen any evidence of it on the court. And Jingles is going to do it. This is, the, is, year. is, this is it. the
2: year. This is the year the Jazz get over the hump and make the playoffs, and we get to see like. Some incredible YouTube, Tony.
3: Awesome.
1: All right, let's move on to the Trey Lyles question. Um, uh, and, and let's be clear, this is like entirely stolen from jazz message boards, and in particular Real GM. So thank you guys. I'm stealing your topic. It's a slow time of of the NBA season. Thanks. For, so sorry. Come on, Melania. But uh, <laughs> hey, I, I at least attributed. That's true. That's I this is also from Michelle Obama. <laughs> Will Trey Lyles supplant Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert as a starter? They asked by the 2017-2018 season. My question is kind of ever, right? Like the, the Jazz's plan is to have Derek Favors in a uniform for a long time. They're working on an extension with him this summer. Rudy Gobert, same thing, also eligible for an extension this summer. If not, he'll get a four-year deal next year. I mean, he's going to be in a Jazz uniform for a long time. Does Trey Lyles ever become good enough to become a starter over those guys? I,
2: I, I mean, the only way I see that happening is if somehow – there's a there's a money crunch and and they they feel like they need to make a move, but you know everything that we've seen them do is to be big, you know, long, athletic, and defensive first. Right. And as good as Trey Lyles might be um, as as a playmaker and and you know could be a, a good um, shooter even above the break, maybe he has not yet proved to be a very good defender, and that I think is you know reason number one.
1: Right. And and I think there's a I, I, okay so on offense I think he fits into what Quinn wants to do a lot better than either Derek or Rudy sure. does and and you can see kind of uh, he he references that a lot where running two bigs who can't shoot beyond 15 feet uh, and, and you know Derek's extended it to 18 feet but it's still not very reliable from out there really puts a cramp on the kind of offense that Quinn Snyder would like to run which is pretty pace and spacey actually. Uh that's not the offense we've seen from him recently but it's it's nevertheless a relatively efficient one they were you know midway I think 15th or 16th depending on who you look at who you which stat site you look at last year on the offensive end uh adding Trey Lyles would definitely help on that end and I can and just the spacing, the shot-making ability from three, uh, the the driving ability that he's shown off in summer league, and even during the regular season last year, I think uh, make him a more flexible offensive player, actually, than definitely Rudy Gobert and maybe Derek Favors. Uh, but uh, like you point out, the way that the Jazz become good and as, as an elite team is by being one of the top three teams in the league defensively. And they can't be that with Trey Lyles playing, quite frankly. Like, he's, he's bad enough at that end of the court. He was, he was very bad as a rookie last year. Uh, and I, I'm not convinced that he's going to become a, an above-average defender ever, quite frankly. Yeah, and if you,
2: if you want to go off into, you know, maybe this is dream world or maybe it's not. But this, this team, as it, as it sits right now with its window has to go up against, has to, to be a contender, a championship contender, which is words that they have used in in that order mm-hmm. um, in, in their goal. They have to be able now to compete with the Golden State Warriors. And if that is ever going to happen, it has to be by being, like you said, an incredible defensive team and being big and being able to muck up what they're doing.
3: Right. I, I mean, mean the, I'm not saying that's
2: going to happen. I'm just saying. Right.
3: But
1: I mean, the Cavs kind of have given a somewhat of a template there of, You got to slow it down. You got to offense, offensive rebound like crazy, and just kind of beat these guys on a slow down one on one possession game. Uh, The Jazz don't have LeBron James, and that's going to be a big problem. Uh, But in terms of being able to kind of beat them with size, you're right. I think that's the the template that they've shown, and I think that's why people are talking about the Jazz is maybe one of Golden State's biggest. Uh, problems next season when they when they play whether that be in the regular season or playoffs
2: yeah I I, I've I'm I'm very intrigued to see this I'm I was listening last week while you were uh, quite uncomfortable about all the hype that's that's been you know given to the jazz in in that regard so Uh I I think everyone you know a healthy dose of dose of skepticism is good Um, but yeah that's that's a team that at least on paper has some things that are some interesting pieces that could potentially cause them some trouble. They played I, them close last year in regular season. I, again, you know, m- maybe now with a little bit of depth, with a little bit of, you know, whatever veteran leadership, maybe that's yeah, it's something I mean, they can mix it up and at least be interesting. Right. I mean, it was
1: interesting last year. Uh, yeah, playoff series may have been very different, but and, and of course, I guess it was interesting at the games in Salt Lake City, right? And yeah. in the games in Oakland, they got blown out, so. Anyway, some pluses and minuses there uh kind of related in this talk is Rudy Gobert had this video, what was it on vine instagram i I don't know what, what format what this uses? video yeah, whatever Snapchat it may have been Snapchat, but regardless, he's just nailing jump shots like eight or nine in a row from probably twenty feet, I mean kind of yeah. going around around the arc a little bit, and the jump shot form looked good it, it was slow, but he's making them, which is kind of good to see. Now, we've seen that before. You and I have watched practice and, and warm-ups and all that, and, and Rudy Gobert takes jump shots in those settings, too. Um, do you,
2: Are you in on Rudy Gobert's <laughs> jump shot for next season? So, so if you want to go back and watch all of Rudy Gobert's made jump shots from outside of 10 feet, I recommend from last season. No, uh-huh. for, from his career. From his career. I yes. recommend that you do it. It will take you 20 seconds. There are two of them. <laughs> right. Right? Which which. But is, all
1: two of them were from the last half of last season.
2: Bangs went down against the Lakers in late April and and he said afterwards, you know, it was I felt like it was kind of a mental breakthrough to actually do this in a game. Right. And then he goes in a couple of days later, I think it was against the Timberwolves. I was just from watching it today. I don't have that in my memory, but um he he knocks down another one. And yeah, I I I think he can add this because I think even with with the Vine or whatever it was, like the read the Rudy, Rudy the caption from Rudy and it's it's just Aimed at everyone who criticizes him, I mean this is a guy that goes yeah. out and badly airballs shots from 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 this range, and then someone goes, "I wonder if this guy who airballed shots can't make that shot it, you know it maybe shouldn't be taking that shot. He takes it as a personal offense and he wants to make you he wants you to be the guy that's on the wrong side of history. I think he's right. just that guy I, I do think he's he's that he's motivated enough in to be able to to do that to add at least something reasonable to his game fifteen feet or so
1: yeah i I think it- Quinn Snyder said last year, like, he doesn't think Rudy's ever going to go out and shoot threes Mm -hmm. um, in an NBA competition, which is probably, I mean, probably realistic given that, again, two total jump shots ever. Um, But if he can add that little elbow jumper or even the floater we've seen a little bit of and be more consistent at it, where, you know, right now he's probably making what, 30% of those? in in game situations if he could be 40% then that's that's a l- real weapon especially then with his ability to maybe go get his own board.
2: Yeah, I mean he has to do something offensively. Right. At at, at some point. I mean he was he's he's such a great defender that that that's in and of itself important to keep him on the floor, but you saw him at the end of games last season, he was he was pulled off one right. because teams went small and two. What do
1: you, what do you think about that? Like do you think the Jazz should have kind of stuck to their guns and played two bigs?
2: Uh, no, I think that, I think Quinn did what probably gave them the best chance to be competitive in those games, and I I was someone who thought that at the end of last season, especially when you have a chance to make the postseason, that it becomes very good for you to do that, and I, I think yeah. that you know development be damned at that point or or right. whatever, you just try to eke out some wins. Yeah,
1: and and the best way to do that was taking Rudy or Derek off and playing four wings or four smalls, whatever sure. it might be. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Uh, okay, one other short question then also from the message boards of the world. Should the Jazz then make a consolidation trade? You know, we've we've talked so much about their offseason. We're hearing that they're like 13 guys deep. Uh, they're too deep at every position. There's going to be like, how, how does Alec Burks get minutes as, as a fourth wing? Uh, how does like Shelvin Mack or how will Neto get minutes or do you care or any of that? Do the, should the Jazz make like a consolidation trade and try to put some of these pieces together to get better players for the starting lineup, uh, or you know maybe top six guys, let's say?
2: Yeah, if you, I mean if you can upgrade talent substantially, sure. I I think you always have to do that if you have that opportunity. That's tough to do, I think, with with probably the pieces that they have and and maybe what's out there. Um, Otherwise, how do how does Alec Burks get minutes? How do these things happen? Well, part of their depth is Joe Johnson's thirty five years old, Horace Young's thirty four right. years old, and we saw how quickly you know depth becomes shallow, right, over the course of a season.
1: Yeah, that, I think that's a big point. And and then I'd also say, who else is out there that would just make your team better? Like you know, maybe you really could make a trade for Russell Westbrook, but. He's probably not going to stay in Utah. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler's available, but who? Uh, maybe, but who are you going to trade for him? And you know, what long term asset are you are you willing to give up? Uh, so, to me, I don't see how anything works right now that just clearly makes the Jazz better. Even even if you talk about a guy like Rudy Gay, I don't know that Rudy Gay's like a substantial upgrade over Joe Johnson. And I don't know if I can back that up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't
2: think I don't think you can back that up right now, but
1: but uh, OK, I'll, I'll back it up in that if you if you just look at plus minus and I'm like a relatively big plus minus fan and I get that people aren't. But Joe Johnson's career plus minus and including last year, both in Brooklyn and Miami, like when he's on the floor, those teams were OK or Miami was very good. When Rudy Gay's on the floor for the Kings, it's it's a nightmare, just like the rest of the Kings roster.
2: I think like consistently, it's it's proved that you trade Rudy Gay away to become a better team. I, right. I think you are you are right about that. And then and then the other thing is Joe Johnson willingly signed a deal to come to the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Um. And and you've heard Dennis Lindsay Harp for the last two years about how important chemistry is to him, how much he doesn't want to to screw that up. Do you want, all of a sudden make a move for someone who's going to be a malcontent or or, or possibly
1: right and. Yeah, Joe Johnson's made that decision, and Rudy Gay hasn't, and is uh, you know, a- according to some Sacramento sources, it's been somewhat of a problem with the Kings. Then again, nearly everyone with the Kings is is a problem, maybe right? Maybe like maybe the Kings
2: are a problem. That's yeah. why Zach's in Sacramento right now to sort things out. To <laughs> I think to get him back on track.
1: He's he's actually interviewing for their GM position, <laughs> is, is what I hear. Uh, I'm I would be excited for Zach Harper general managing. Spot like
2: if he takes up the smoking habit, I'm in,
1: yeah. Like Vade and that you have to in order to be, a...
2: then I'm in on that. Okay, well,
1: we'll ask Zach Harper. I'm in
2: on Zach Harper, pack a day smoker.
1: <laughs> Speaking of in on things, our in or out segment is coming up next. I think we're talking about like last year's rookies and then also TV shows based on a conversation we had before the show like a couple days ago. Uh, it's very Zach Harpery. Let's put it that way. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
0: ESPN 700.
1: That's our producer John Lafallette dropping the beats. What's the song called, John?
0: Uh,
2: Peaches and Cream. Actually, Ah, of course it is.
1: Of course. Thank you for that. By by whom?
2: Uh, one one two. Oh, apparently that's a that's a band. It's probably an area person. code or
1: something, right?
2: Probably three eleven. Yeah, <laughs> sort of... I dropped the jams, but I have no idea who most of these people are. I just find a cool beat. there hey, we go.
1: I like it. You 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 do what you're good at, and that is that is dropping beats and producing our show. So anyway, thank you. Uh, as always, you can tweet us at Andy B Larson or at Aaron Falk. Uh, Andy and. Aaron, Andy Larson, Aaron Falker, your host today. Zach Harper is in Sacramento applying for the King's GM job. Uh, but nevertheless we are doing our new segment called In or Out. This is the second time we've done it. Basically, it was based on me hanging out with a whole bunch of NBA writers at Summer League, and every conversation goes, Are you in or on something or are you out on something? Whether that be uh, Trey Lyles or Jaleel Okafor. A lot of people are out on Jaleel Okafor, by the way. Um, or whether it be movies or TV shows or NBA media members, um, and we'll skip that last one so that nobody, you know, fires us or anything, <laughs> but uh, talks to talks to our managers and, says, and gets offended. But we do want to do quickly TV shows because we were talking about this on on Tuesday when when you and I play trivia. Uh, so,
2: and a- almost won trivia.
1: We almost won. There were 15 teams, and we got second place, y'all. So
2: it's it's pretty good. And if we can get Kevin Durant to sign with us next week, we will win.
1: We, yeah. It, we uh, It's pretty painful, actually, how close <laughs> we came. Although it did make me feel better when the standings came out today or yesterday uh, that we also beat third place by one point. So at least we were in the money by one point as well. Anyway. uh. Let's start with Inner Outs. What what TV shows are you out on, Aaron?
2: I am out on so I, I think this is tough because one, there's just so much good stuff out there and it's so easy to pick and, and right. always watch something that's like critically acclaimed. huh. I've got two that I'm out on. The first one I'm out on Hunting Hitler. What is hunting Hitler? It's like it's fake history. Okay. It might even be on history, which is like not history, you know, at this point. It's yeah. Sasquatch and
1: But I'm I'm out on Hunty Kitler. You're making the Chuck Grassley argument of you just hate the history channel. <laughs> I, I
2: haven't even I haven't even seen this show, I have to admit. Oh but I am I am out on it. <laughs> okay. Because my mother has seen this show. And is she a fan? It gives this theory. That Hitler has somehow s- survived, did not take his own life at the end of the war. Okay, survived and lived for quite a long time. I don't think they say he's still alive, but in Argentina. Okay. So my mother somehow bought into this too too far. Like she went too deep in this <laughs> rabbit hole, and she was. I mean, she thought Hitler was like in Argentina, Argentina drinking Malbec. And I, it, I, am I, I have to be out on anything <laughs> that would do that to my Sunday dinner conversation.
3: Okay,
1: that that's reasonable. Like someone did this to you, <laughs> and you are offended and and mad at the the creators of Hiding Hitler, Hiding yes. Hitler, Hunting, Hunting Hitler.
2: Sorry, I believe. So we out, hope. definitely okay. out. What's the other one? I'm also out on Food Network's Cooks versus, Cooks versus Cons. Okay. What? And I will watch a lot of Bad Food Network. A lot.
1: So, okay, go ahead.
2: Just let's just leave it there. <laughs> this show has to be the dumbest game show of all time. What? Uh, what's the? What's the idea? They have four, I think, chefs who are making things. Two of them, professional chefs. Okay. Two of them. Just regular people like you or me. Okay. And then they have to they have to not only win this food competition, but then someone has to guess whether they were a cook or a con, and it is literally the worst show on television. How, now. It is so it, bad, and Jeffrey Zakarian has lost it. Isn't it always obvious? No, no, because they, I mean, some of these people's knife skills are incredible. <laughs>
1: the random cons that they get are just... Apparently good at yes. knifery yeah okay
2: out on both of these okay what do you got
1: uh I'm going so I got two broke girls which everyone is out on this is not like a thing but that anyone would be surprised at but I was on a flight once and they put two broke girls on the big TV um. And everyone. This is where you don't have control.
3: Like, no, yeah, it's oh, just, just in, the in middle, front,
1: in the just... middle, like 747. So they put it in the middle of like the uh, wall between the first class and regular people, right? And they put that on on the projector, and everyone just started booing, <laughs> and booed for like a solid minute straight until they turned on nothing instead. Like that—that that... That was a bad thing. Glorious. Yeah. Uh, we we were very upset as as a crowd. It's just a terrible show. Like it's not funny. Everything is is pretty racist and at the very least anti-Semitic. And it's just it's very bad. So okay. don't watch it.
2: I haven't and I won't. Thank uh, you for saving me.
1: I'm also this one's a little bit more controversial, but I'm I think I'm out on Modern Family. Um, and I know Utah great Ty Burrell is prominently involved. Number one jazz celeb. Absolutely uh beyond Macklemore <laughs> 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 no I, uh, but really it's it's just not that funny like the setups are all super simple and it's all just like oh, I don't know what to do as a parent and I don't know that's every sitcom right like that according to Jim is that too and that's a bad show too I don't know what's what's a good show that's like
2: you're you're never going to be allowed in bar X ever again there's there you're right now you're on your face is on a poster <laughs> on the door do not admit if this I man, say some like nice things about, about like, Utah Jazz super fan Ty Burrell.
1: Nick Romando is a part owner too. If I say some nice things about Nicky, like does that balance it out? Nick Romando is the best goalkeeper in MLS history. Does that make it? Does that make it okay?
2: You can go to beer bar for like half an hour <laughs> on Tuesdays.
1: That's <laughs> all I want. <laughs> that, that's good enough for me. All right, what's what are good TV shows then?
2: Good TV shows. All right, I am in and slow and catching up on Fargo. Okay. Season two. It is excellent. Uh, did you watch season one? No, and you do not need to. Okay. Um, it's a different story. Uh, it is, one, it has the Cohen Brothers stamp, which you want. Right. Two, I mean, the acting all the way through, it's hilarious. It's dark. It makes, I mean, it's it's just beautiful. Nick Offerman is hilarious in it. Um, uh, Mike, the character Mike Milligan, Bo, Bokeem Woodbine. is Nick Offerman, isn't it? I'm sorry. Oh, I just, yes. Ron okay. Swanson himself. Excellent. Sits in a VFW hall drinking beer and then needs to be, uh, He's he is the only lawyer in town. <laughs> I mean, watch okay. it for that that's, premise that's alone. That's great. I love it. And Landry of Friday Night F- Fame, Jesse Plemons, got fat, and that makes me feel better about myself. Okay. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. Uh You've watched both
1: of the OJ series, right? Yes. The, there's like the FX dramatic one with Cuba Gooding Jr. and uh, the guy from Friends, Ross, right? Ross. That is his <laughs> Christian name, Ross. <laughs> that's his full Christian name. Yes, that's what's
2: on his birth certificate.
1: Uh, and then there's like the ESPN 30 for 30 kind of like documentary one, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Made in America.
1: Yes. Which one? I have watched neither of those. You have watched both. Which should I watch?
2: how much time, do you have time to watch them both you you <sighs> Well, say that's this not a dramatic
1: like, element right <laughs> like if the if the answer is yes then the answer is go out and watch both i guess but okay if you have if
2: you have to pick one Frank. i mean you you should probably watch you should probably be enlightened and watch the the documentary the real one okay because you're going to get so much more context okay. and and all of that that being said the acting in in the fx one i was skeptical I'm like, here. We were talking about this the other night, but I I remember when that car chase cut into my precious TGIF uh-huh. viewing. <laughs> I was in on it. I was in on TGIF, out on the OJ car chase. <laughs> you were mad. You were one
1: of the, like the people who calls into KSL and was like, put put my whatever on. Yeah, it, my according to Raymond is, or that's not a show. <laughs> that was not
2: what like ten year olds were watching twenty years ago.
1: I, yeah, no. I, whatever it is, but. <laughs> You are one of those angry people that they uh, cut away to OJ. Absolutely, but
2: it's—I mean, it's—it's it's fascinating and it's still hyper relevant today. So many important social issues. Um, uh, but the, the the FX show is very well acted. Everyone except for Cuba Gooding Jr. I would say. Um, and it's it's great, and and it's actually pretty close to you know I think it you know gets to the heart of the story. Is almost as well as like episodes uh, three and two and three, three and four of of the Made in America documentary. Okay,
1: Um, cool. I'll 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 do that then.
2: So you got time? It's the middle of summer. That's true.
1: Yeah. If I don't have time now, I won't ever. And now is the time. Uh, I uh, one of the reasons I ask these TV questions is because uh, SB Nation went out to all these different uh, MBA. Players at summer league. Actually, sorry, it was Yard Barker who did this, and asked them about Game of Thrones, and nobody knew the Game of Thrones people. Not like, like DeAndre Embry didn't know. Sure, but guys like Jimmer, I would very much expect Jimmer to be a Game of Thrones guy, and Jimmer Fredette had no idea who, I, the, who anybody was.
2: I could. I mean, there's a lot of of uh, content that does not necessarily die with Jimmer's faith. I, I think that might be his experience. That's fair.
1: Okay. That's a fair point. Kelly Oubre does not watch it either.
2: Well I, I think the other part of the problem is that a lot of these guys are just living two dope lives to watch <laughs> television. <laughs> That's a very, very fair point. Uh, um on on Sunday night. But uh, you you would think so. I mean Rudy, Gordon Right, these guys. There are, there is, there is a collection of of people, obviously, that are watching this, that are that are playing in the NBA. Right, like I would almost, I might watch more TV in the if I played in the NBA. Right, just maybe because of flight time alone. And these guys, like there, and then there's a lot of these guys that get to cities and just do not leave. Right, I'm talking to Marvin Williams years ago about um, a, a place to eat in Memphis, and he goes. Yeah, I've never left my hotel room. <laughs> other than to go to the arena. Like he's, in like in, in you know 10 know, 8 years or whatever it was at that point in the in the league, like yeah, I've, I've never walked around Memphis.
1: Literally just getting room service? Yeah. Wow. I like that's that's incredible. And where's Marvin from?
2: He's from uh Seattle, Kitsap. Bramerton, oh, that's right. Bramerton. Okay.
1: So I I was I take everything back, but uh went to college at North Carolina. Yes. He would think, like, I don't know, there would be something there-ish that he would want to, you know, something Carolinian in Tennessee. I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching. <laughs> Those are close states yeah. is my point.
2: I, I, did, I did later on actually see him out at dinner. They, they took some guys to uh, Gus's Fried Chicken. That was like a team event. They all okay. went. Like, he was like, yeah, I'd n- just never go out.
1: So, I basically you're telling me the guy to ask about TV shows is Marvin Williams. Yeah, Marvin
2: is uh, he is guaranteed. I guarantee you he has watched Game of
1: Thrones. Okay, that's that's our assignment for next season. Is, Absolutely, is talk to Marvin Williams about Game of Thrones and whatever other TV shows he's in or out on. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side, wait, I actually have more basketball to talk about. And by the way. Those of you who are listening to the show as a podcast, let me know if you liked us talking about not sports, or if you just wanted to in stick on that? To sports. Are you in or out on us? Occasionally going away from basketball. Let me know. Um, we're going to be talking about the Beehive Classic, the new game that was just announced yesterday, or sorry, this morning, in uh, where four of Utah's colleges will play basketball mid-December. Um, talk about that nba is moving the all-star game we'll talk about that a little bit next on the salt city hoops show on espn 700
0: you're listening to salt city hoops on utah's number one sports talk espn 700 Okay.
1: We have the power, allegedly. Andy Larson, Aaron Falk joining you from the Salt City Hoop Show. you are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. As always, if you have any questions, tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at Aaron Falk, or if you just want to, I don't know, riff on whatever we're saying or anything at all, just tweet us so we don't feel so lonely all the time. <laughs> that was desperate. Uh, so, a couple of actually... Big NBA Jazz announcements. We'll start with a local one first with this Beehive Classic, uh, where the Jazz have kind of set up this uh, game, this double header between BYU, Utah, Utah State, and Weber State to take place in the 2017, 2018, and 2019 years um, on the second Saturday of December. So it's just a straight double header that's not a tournament by any means, but at least these teams are going to be playing games in a neutral arena and it it should be a lot of fun. The the presser was today, I went to it, you know, not a whole lot of interesting things were said. Definitely most of the media was just mostly concerned about, you know, BYU potentially going into the Big 12 and and rightfully so. Uh but it, it's going to be kind of fun to have all four of these teams play each other uh in Vivint Arena and you know, a, a big NBA size
2: venue. Yeah. Well, first of all, I like I like anything that's a classic that hasn't happened yet. This is <laughs> Yeah already a classic we're sure wait. of it you just wait um you know it's good i mean these i'm i'm a proponent of of these teams playing each other because i think it's fun you know i think right. that's probably an important part of sports that gets overlooked and so often things. how does that happen so <laughs> frequently and it just you know well this this because i mean we because we've done that i mean we've we've put so much emphasis on strength of schedule and and all of these things that that it, people get lost in that, but I, I think it's good. Um, it's obviously good for the Jazz. It's a it's a nice event. They said they're giving away 40, or giving out 4,500 tickets to each um, school, and and obviously you know you have a full arena. It's good for for downtown for a night in the, in the holiday season, um, and it pro, it's probably good for these teams because or and these athletic directors because now they don't have to bicker over home and homes and and right. you know where where they're going, and it just Hey, we're gonna play this, and maybe we can schedule something outside of that. But now there's a lot of pressure off of a fan from a fan base to do that.
1: Uh, I also thought it was interesting they put the dollar amount. Uh, have you seen the 125 million dollar amount on the renovation? Yes, for this press that, release? was that, that in a previous release? that
2: was part of their um, okay. that was revealed when they went to the city looking for um, the, the tax break. Okay, that okay, and that's that it's 125 million, and I, I believe they've spent 25 of that already on the that's uh, the, the jumbotron and, and okay. the video boards, and, and so we'll, I think it'll be 100 new dollars that you haven't seen before. Okay, at this point,
1: um, makes sense. And so they're just saying that this classic will take place after those renovations, which are scheduled to happen next summer. We knew that already, mm-hmm. but and uh, they just put that into the into the release. Cream tweeted us by the way, saying, "I love according to Raymond," making fun of my fluff from last
3: <laughs> last segment.
1: Yep, according to Raymond is not a show. You may have understood what I did there on accident. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the other big announcement today, the the NBA one, was that they're moving the All Star Game from Charlotte. Uh, sounds like likely to be in New Orleans. Been reported by sources, just not officially confirmed through the league uh, for the 2017 All Star Game. Due to the North Carolina HB2 bill, that's uh, anti-LGBT rights essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the bathroom bill is, is and is how it's been referred to. That's definitely not it, though. It also restricts municipalities from creating uh, anti-LGBT discrimination laws, prevents uh, private citizens from going to court in workplace disputes and and stuff like that. Somehow, there's a child labor law part of it that I I don't really understand. But they, you know, those. Carolinians are pro child labor. Or something. We gotta find the guy know. that that snuck that in. Like that I need weird. to get my
2: child labor line uh, into this bill somehow.
1: Regardless, it's it's being touted as a bathroom bill, and I think it's important that people understand that it is more than that. And regardless of whether uh, which side of that issue you stand on, uh, it's I think it's further down the road to respectability if if you know it, it has these different pieces out, if that makes sense. Uh, so. Given that, that's why the NBA was so angry and eventually felt that they wanted to move their all-star game away from the Charlotte area because they didn't feel that, that their players could play in that sort of environment or at least wanted to bring such big NBA money into the arena and, and that area to put such a uh, emphasis on, and, on that city and that state at this time.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, once... Obviously, at the time, you know, and this is all of us in, with so many different things, you know, it, it kind of feel like something big happens, people people say things, take a stand, we go through a news cycle, and it gets forgotten. Um, so in that regard, good on Adam Silver and, and the NBA for following through right. w- with a threat and not just having this be a completely empty,
1: yeah, empty threat. Because it was always unclear, like, so they made the threat before the governor chose not to veto it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then once he... Didn't veto it and it turned into law. It was pretty clear that either the NBA was going to gonna have to stick to its word or uh, or not, right? And that was kind of the choice. Is it, it's not like the bill was going to be repealed in time for the 2017 game to, sure. to happen. So now they say you know they're still open to a 2019 Charlotte game, but it sounds like some changes will have to be made be, in order for that to to happen.
2: Yeah, and it's it's I think it's you know. It's a win for the NBA in in PR, if nothing else. They have as a chance to to bring light to an issue that they obviously feel strongly about, um, and they get to do it without inflicting too much discomfort upon themselves. I mean, let's let's not get too far out and, and say that this is some you know some incredible act of protest. The, the Charlotte Hornets are still there; they're still going to play 42 games. Right? Like say it's not like they're pulling the team out or something like that. But. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a chance to say, hey, you know, one, if we're, we're going to say something, we're going to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Two, this is important to us, so sure, hell better do something about it if you want an All-Star game. And then three, there's going to be nobody come All-Star weekend next year, you know, soaking up their night from, on Bourbon Street at the Crystal, eating sliders, thinking, <laughs> man, really wish I was in Charlotte right now.
1: I think Charlotte, isn't Charlotte a good town? It's
2: a fine town, but it's, it's not New Orleans. It's, yeah, New Orleans is warmer. There's no last call. It's, a, it's a, like, right. like no place else on earth, and everyone will have a good time there.
1: Uh, Jason Collins released a statement on them moving the, the All-Star game out of North Carolina, saying, as a member of the NBA family and as a gay man, I'm extremely proud to see the NBA take initiative and move the All-Star game from North Carolina. Their decision is an extremely poignant one, and shows that discrimination of any kind is not welcome in sports and is not acceptable in any part of our society. The NBA has set the best kind of example and precedent moving forward for all to follow.
3: Yeah,
2: and I, I think I think it's it's good and, and and you know to jump to a different issue to see Carmelo Anthony, to see you know LeBron and and Dwayne Wade start to be more outspoken about about these things that you know important social issues of our time. I think it's good, you know. Forget the Charles Barkley, I'm not a role model thing for a minute. I mean, and, you know, obviously you take athletes with, with you know, as, as role models with a grain of stuff, but these are people with high profiles, incredible impact, incredible reach. And, you know, if, if they can help further good causes, then it's it's important.
1: Yeah, I I thought that SB speech, for example, with the four banana boat guys, uh, Chris Paul, Carmelo, <laughs> Dwayne Wade, and, and LeBron James, uh, I thought that was that was important you know that was that was cool of them to say to it was their idea from all reports that they wanted to make that speech to uh america more or less on on abc in prime time and uh you know these are people who clearly have an influence on youths <laughs> so to speak and and it, it's i i'm very pro athletes being able to use that voice in whatever manner they so choose
2: agreed agreed i mean they're you know so some of these guys are very interesting people they're Thoughtful people, and they they should be able to to speak their minds.
1: And some of them aren't, quite frankly, but that's okay, too, because that's that's America, right? Amen. All right. Well, we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got Salt City Hoops writer Dan Clayton joining us. We'll ask him questions on what he thinks about the Jazz offseason and some other NBA issues. That's next on the Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: More beats from our producer, John Follette I'm Andy Larson. Aaron Falk joins me this time on the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN Troop affiliate of the Utah Jazz, saltcityhoops.com. Uh, we've got Dan Clayton joining us on the line. Dan is the associate editor of Salt City Hoops uh been a writer for us a long time as spanish radio voice of the utah jazz until what was it two seasons ago but did that for a while and basically has has covered the jazz for a long time dan how are you
4: hey how's it going <laughs>
1: good sorry for that uh introduction i hope you didn't hear too much of it
4: uh i i i think i heard the appropriate amount okay good we'll compare notes later <laughs>
1: um so i want to I haven't had a chance to ask you this on the air, but kind of what are your overall impressions of the Jazz's off season?
4: You know, last year, um, I, I think, especially after the injuries, the Jazz had a lot of guys who were, like, playing up a role. So a guy that probably should be your fourth wing was your third wing, and a guy that probably should be your third big is a starting big and you know it's it was a real big part of the problem why they why they struggled so badly last season and and why things kind of fell apart even though they sh- probably should have been by point differential and some other measures a playoff team the reason i like their offseason andy is because they they legitimately now have guys almost playing down a role i mean you you now have like Four pretty good, solid rotation quality bigs in a four big rotation. Plus, you've got a fifth big who has played rotation minutes in the past. You have the same thing on the wings, and you have two really good point guards and at least one solid point guard who's played rotation minutes there behind him. So I just think that, you know, the depth and the, and the number of different situations that they're now prepared for is why it was a, a pretty good success for them.
2: I guess, Dan, uh, along those lines, something we were talking about earlier. Given all of that depth, is there a chance would you like to see them make some sort of consolidation trade? Would you like to see them upgrade somewhere, package something and and maybe sacrifice a little bit of that for for better talent
4: i mean i I think sure if you can trade up a tier like i I like to talk about tiers a lot because I think look one of the things that we've all criticized the jazz a little bit for. In these last couple of seasons, is not being able to go ten deep with quality players, and now that they're finally there, to sort of trade out of that, just you know, just to solve a quote-unquote logjam problem, I'm not sure I would do that unless you get something better than you have. Um, you know, if you could package a few, um, you know, starter quality starter quality players and get a fringe also, you know, a borderline all-star type, sure. If you could package a couple of all star types and get a mega star type, sure. Those kinds of trades are just pretty rare in the NBA. So I'm not sure that I would. I, I, I think they should see what they have with this uh, pretty cool, pretty exciting, uh, you know, 10 man rotation that, like I say, also has a pretty good 11th, 12th, and 13th man if it comes to that.
1: I, I think, yeah, that's, that's a good way to kind of look at it. And I like your point about having a chance to look at what they have right now. Uh it's just it's one of those things that like finally we got the depth that we've been asking for and already before the season starts I'm like well what about a consolidation trade right like I'm just never happy and I'm I'm so sorry to anyone who listens to the show about that uh,
3: uh, because of
4: that it's the uh, it's the fantasy basketball and right. and uh you know 2K side effect everybody uh, everybody Im- immediately thinks like hmm what could I do to make this 1% better the the problem is it's a zero sum game. So if you're getting one percent better, someone else is probably getting one percent worse. And uh, you know, I, I'm just I'm not sure anyone out there is going to just give away a, a, a star level player. I, I think I like what the Jazz can do, not just depth wise, but um, most of their guys are multi positional players. Most most of their guys are long. Um, they can play some different styles. I think it'll be pretty fun to see what's there.
1: Um, the other message-boardy kind of question that we, we talked about earlier on the, in the show is whether or not Trey Lyles ever becomes a starter for the Jazz. You know, you look at Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert being the clear, entrenched starters and, and probably for a long time at the power forward and center roles, and yet we've seen such nice things from Trey Lyles, who's still super young. Uh, do you think there's ever a point where Trey Lyles is a, an NBA starter and in particular an NBA starter with the Utah Jazz?
4: You know, I have I have avoided sharing my unfiltered opinion on this particular subject because I have a feeling it's going to be unpopular. And um, Dan, what's I, I your wasn't. hot
1: sports take? I need to know.
2: I, I want to hear this, Dan, because I I I think that I'm in line with you on something, and and there's the name Kevin Love might also be a part of this.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's part of it. I, I guess the macro point I would make, and and the Kevin Love sort of all defense, although not particularly efficient, sorry, all offense and not particularly efficient offense and very little defense, I think that's a good metaphor if that's where you're going. I just wasn't as in love with his summer league performance on the whole as everyone was. Um, I mean, he went out and he scored volumes, and and the types of shots he was taking and the types of ways he was using possessions I don't think are things that are – ever going to translate to how he's really used in an NBA regular season game. So I'm just not sure I saw that much there that justified, you know, kind of the trade Lyles as a future all-star train that, that some of the, um, you know, the, the, me- I, I guess you called it the message boardy topic. I mean, I, I'm just not sure that, that sentiment, I'm fully there yet. Um, He's a talented guy. He's for sure a talented guy. There were plays where he reminded me so, so much of a prime Carlos Boozer on offense, you know, and the way he exploded off a pick, and then the way he um, would step back into that silky jumper, and I mean that as a total compliment. And there were also plays where he reminded me of prime Carlos Boozer in a not so complimentary way, you know, doing the Torero one-arm wave at the at the driver kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know. I, my my gut feeling is that, no, he's probably not going to be a Jazz starter in the next three to five years. I think the Jazz um, should be able to hang on to, to Rudy and Fave for at least that long. After that, whether it happens, I, I don't know. But I, I think he has a lot more growth than what people realize. You know, 29 points a game in Vegas is cool. Look at how he was getting those 29. Look at the way the offense went when he was in the game. And, uh, you know, you'll see that he still has some things to work on. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those things? Well, just like I say, I'm still not sure. So he's a great playmaking four. I'm not sure I love the way he makes plays for himself still. You know what I mean? Like, a a lot of his shots were just extremely forced. I mean, they were just ugly possessions, one-on-five, you know, there were situations where he'd get the ball, and I just sort of knew, like, okay, this is going up. There's no way the ball is going to touch anyone else's hands other than Trey Lyles on this possession, and sure enough, that's what happened. And then, you know, defense. Aaron, I'm assuming I'm assuming that's where you were going with the Kevin Love metaphor. I don't want to put words in your mouth here.
2: Uh, so I know I, I was I was going to say, and I I saw multiple people suggest something along the lines um, on Twitter, and this is pr- part of the problem with with being on Twitter, but. You know, if Kevin Love were an available was available for a trade, would you do it? And, the, and there were so many people I saw, no, because we already have Trey Lyles, which astounded me.
4: Yeah, that's it. You know we have, as a community, I think, this terrible, terrible recency bias. Like people forget how recently Kevin Love was really freaking good. I mean, Kevin Love was a 25 and 14 guy two seasons ago. And mean, he's not now, but it's not because he's, you know, lost skills and lost abilities. It's because he's playing next to the best basketball player in the known universe. So I think, uh, I- I've seen that kind of talk too, Aaron, and I-, I just think that that's crazy. I mean, the guy was first team all NBA. Um, and yeah, he leaves a lot to be desired on the defense then, but like, man, the guy's good and <laughs> there's a good chance. I mean, I even, I even bristled a little at the notion. Um, when people were dismissing the favors love talk out of hand now i I think the jazz would probably prefer to keep favors because of his commitment to the community and those types of things but like as of right now basketball resume wise i'm not sure that you could really i mean unless you're just talking about fit and i do think favors is a great fit for uh, a lot of different reasons but even favors love is kind of a I'm I'm not sure jazz fans want to be wading too deep into that comparison.
1: Do you think Trey Lyles ever becomes a, a average or a good defender? Where do you where do you think he tops out in that? And I know that's that's a hard and and difficult question to project for the, someone who's as young as Trey is.
4: Yeah, I I, I think um, again, I think one of the things we should all do a little less of is you know telling guys that are 20 what they. Can't do. Okay. I guess here's what I'd say about it, Andy. Uh, like some of what I see from him right now, the the bugs me on defense is effort stuff, and that's definitely something he can get he can get better at, right? Like he can go watch some tape, make some decisions about how he's going to play going forward, and and those things can change right away. Um, there's other stuff like you know his lateral quickness is just not that good, and that's not something that comes overnight. You know you can go. Do targeted work, um, on your body to get better at that. You can work with P3 on your lateral explosion. You can do things like that. But somebody who's just not naturally laterally quick doesn't, you know, leave the gym in July and come back to camp in October suddenly able to stay in front of guys. So I think, um, I, I think short to medium term, his ceiling is probably a guy, you know, becoming a guy who can be a good team concept defender. Um, long term, I don't want to say he can't do it, but like I say, he, he needs to change some things about, um, his body and he needs to change some things about his mentality on that end.
1: I want to ask you a couple of, like, general NBA questions. Um, first is, is there's a lot of talk about, and this was true at Summer League and, and online as well, what the Thunder should do with Russell Westbrook. Uh, whether they should just keep him for another year, whether they should, and they have done this clear money so that they can. Uh, try to sign him to an extension like the, the Rockets did with James Harden and the Jazz hope to do with Derek Favors? Uh, or should they trade him and, and get what they can for him now before he bolts somewhere else next summer? And where do you come down on that decision, especially as it, it relates to Westbrook?
4: Okay, so I was anticipating this question, and I have an exercise plan. so I'm going to answer your question okay. with a question. You guys ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. So what's the, let's start with this. What's the package? What's I mean, are we assuming it's like Boston, Jay Crowder, and Picks?
1: Yeah, okay, so let's do, sure, Jay Crowder and the next two years of of Brooklyn's Picks.
4: Okay, so now let's, here's my exercise. Let's pretend that you're a small market team, and you've got some okay players, and you've got Jay Crowder and some really good Brooklyn Picks coming your way and someone calls you on the phone and says and you're a small market team and they say hey we have this megastar he he expires in a year for Jay Crowder and picks do you want in other words if this were reverse engineered wouldn't OKC jump on the chance to get Russell Westbrook and, for and just maybe and hope and hope that in 12 months he would you know see the light and say Because, I mean, he's a top-five player in the NBA, right? Like, that's pretty much undebatable. Um, How else are they getting a top-five? Like, if they get Jay Crowder and the the Brooklyn picks, are they turning that into a top-five player in the NBA anytime soon?
1: I mean, maybe, right? Like, Brooklyn's going to be a bad team for a long time. Uh, They're certainly not going to be a good team next year. Next year's draft is pretty good. Uh, Yeah, it's not going to be a top-five pick in the draft it's not going to be a top five player in the league, uh, almost certainly. But in terms of what you get for years twenty seventeen through twenty twenty five, you you may end up a lot better.
4: Maybe I'm still not sure you get a top five player out of that. Right? No, you may I not. Mean, I mean, so like, what did Brooklyn pick this year? They picked, or or Boston picked third with the Brooklyn right. pick. Third was Jalen Brown. I mean, even, like, even in a surefire draft, like a LeBron James type of draft, the draft of 2003, how many guys were in that draft that are top five in the league, league type of guys? LeBron, maybe Dwayne Wade at his peak.
1: Melo was and, a top five guy, right, at his peak? I don't know if that's true. Like, uh, top
4: ten-ish? Uh, I don't know. Right, like... I, I bristle at that one. Okay. Uh, he, he definitely was a top five scorer in his day.
1: Right. I mean, he won a scoring title.
4: Yeah. Uh, and and not just, like, by volume. Like, he was an unstoppable scorer. He could do everything. So I, I'm just... I guess what I'm saying is... I, I, I understand people who say you got to get him while well. you... You can't get burned twice. You can't lose both of those guys for nothing. I get that. I do. I'm also saying... But for a small market team that knows that there's only so many ways that they're going to add, you know, a transformational, transcendental talent, I, I'm, I'm not sure I wouldn't roll the dice. Now, you roll the dice and you're probably screwed in 12 months, but I, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. It
3: might if they be your trim, best- They're going to be
4: bad for the next five or six years and, you know, that fan base is, that fan base that, by the way, has never really experienced anything but success with that team. I mean, the first year and a half were a little shaky, and then ever since then they've had a successful n b a franchise in their city so we'll we'll see if they can weather that, but um I guess my point is i I can argue it both ways I just if it were me, I'd be pretty reluctant, and I might hang at least until the trade deadline and see how good the team is and see if if maybe he he could be convinced that there's more of a future there than in la for example
1: okay no i, I think that makes sense I, I guess my so then your difference between like a westbrook trade like you proposed and like the darren williams trade of 2011 is that russell westbrook's a much better player than darren williams
4: well yeah and okay. and there's no i mean when the jazz made the darren williams trade and i was around then by the way i was you know right I didn't spend a lot of time in the locker room back then, but I knew people who did, and I talked to people, and it was it was pretty well known that Darren was out of there as quickly as they could. I knew a a month before um, a month before Jerry resigned, someone I trusted told me that there was that there were issues and that Jerry's patience was running out. And I was like, come on, it's Jerry Sloan. There's no way he's going to resign. And then a month later, he resigned. So I think there was enough real discord there that the Jazz could kind of read the writing on the wall. And if the Thunder get to that point where they know he's gone, then yeah, I mean, at that point, you throw caution to the wind and and you go for it. Um, So to me, that's the biggest difference between Russ and Darren. And obviously that could change. And, And it could be a situation where you know that Russ is headed to L.A.
3: next July.
1: Yeah, I think it's a less contentious situation than that one was, but it may be that Russ has the same likelihood of leaving, not because he dislikes Oklahoma City, but because he has the opportunities elsewhere that he would in next year's free agency, agency class.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think anyone with cap room and like 20 teams are going to have cap room, any of those 20 teams will, you know, tell him, you know, you can have the max, you can have whatever number of years you want, you can have whatever options you want, like, right. you know, you write the contract and we'll sign it, basically. So he'll have options. Um, and, and you know, I, again, I, I guess I'm just not, I, I guess I'm just not 100%. I mean, like, what if they're six feet in the West and, you know, the young front court gets a little better and and then their play, I, I don't know, I i I guess I just wouldn't throw the towel in before I had to, but if they get to the Darren point or the Chris Paul point where you know what's going to happen next summer, then, yeah, you probably pull the trigger.
3: Okay,
1: so kind of somewhat of a follow-up there. Um, there's talk that maybe the NBA should get a franchise tag, kind of like the NFL, where uh, you know you could pick one guy to stick on your roster and he has to sign a huge contract but for one year, but you get to keep your superstar. Do you think that would be good for the NBA overall?
4: I find myself kind of as a like salary cap conservative. Like I don't know that a whole lot of um, tinkering is needed. Like let me put it this way: the things that needed to happen for Kevin Durant to wind up on that seventy-three win Golden State Warriors team, like that kind of cap jump with an MVP, a two-time MVP who's as underpaid as he is, and Steph Curry, like, that, that was kind of the perfect storm. Um, to say nothing of, by the way, like, if Oklahoma City had beat the Warriors when they were up 3-1, I don't think Kevin can go to Golden State. Right. If Golden State had beat Cleveland in the finals when they were up 3-1, then I don't think Kevin Durant can go there and be a coattail rider. So I think a lot of things had to happen for that. I'm not sure that the NBA needs to necessarily legislate anything radical. I think if there's a change, it'll just be the the abolition of the max salary, which even that I'm not wild about. I know people think that that will help small market teams to eliminate max salary and basically say, hey, there are X number of superstars in the league and 30 teams can have them. Because thirty, you know, like if Utah will write the biggest check, they can have LeBron James. Not only do I not think that's very realistic, um, I, I don't think that's the way players will will handle the situation in a day and age when they really value their their freedom of movement more than they value the extra dollars. Um, but I actually think it could hurt small market teams because I think if there's no max contract, then any free agent that's worth anything is going to charge a team like Utah or OKC or Portland a "quote unquote" small market tax, and you're going to have to pay the same guy 50 that might go play in Miami for 30. So I actually think it could really be detrimental to a team in the Jazz's position and. I kind of hope that the NBA will stay somewhere close to status quo on these things, even though I recognize that a guy like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry is worth way more to the league than their artificially constrained salaries are. And that's not necessarily fair, but it's also a 30-team league. And, and, you know, I like it when 30 teams have at least a chance to get good.
2: So uh, just as a fan, were you you okay with, with Durant making the move?
4: I mean, define okay? <laughs> because uh, I mean, like it—it it bothered me a little. It bothered me a little on the level of like the same reason that the that the decision in 2010 bothered me with LeBron. Like, I kind of liked the era. I grew up in the era when these guys just wanted to kill each other, you know, um, when Michael and Scotty would wait in the players' parking lot with cigars to like taunt their opponents on their way into the arena. And so this whole, like, if I can't beat them, I'll go join them thing, I know that's reductive, but, like, that aspect of it bothers me a little bit. But in terms of, like, the rule, like, hey, Golden State operated within the rules. The players operated within the rules. Nobody did anything shady. Nobody did anything underhanded. Nobody snuck around. Like, it was it was there for the – I mean, like – Carl Malone and Gary Payton went and took minimum contracts from the Lakers. Well, Carl took minimum, and Gary Payton took uh, a chunk of their mid-level back in 2003, 2004. Like, are, would we be angry if Kevin Durant went there for the minimum? Like, these are the rules by which everybody operates. And like I say to some players, the ability to say, um, "I want to determine where I'm going to make a living for the next X years of my life" is worth more than a few dollars. And and by the way, any of us would love to be you know any of us would freak out if that same privilege was taken from us right like um put this in a human context and the three of us all want to be able to pick where we work and sometimes that means making a little more or making a little less so that aspect doesn't bother me it bothers me that we kind of know (laughs) who's going to the finals from the west in 10 months um that part is a little bit of a dramatic bummer but uh, you know they 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 did what they had to do to be competitive and to create what will likely be a dynasty.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I've kept you longer already than I probably than you probably thought we were going to. But thanks so much for taking the time with us, Dan, to uh, share your opinions and and even debate with us <laughs> the Westbrook I trade and and uh, Trey Lyles and everything else. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. That's Dan Clayton, associate editor of Salt City Hoops. Uh, before we go to break, I got a DM rather than a, an at notification question from Giorgio Spanias said, Will Jazz keep Jeff with you or give a chance to Joel or Joel Ballamboy Hi from Greece. It is four in the morning here. He sent that at the beginning of the show, so it's now five in the morning there, and I hope he's not still listening. He should probably <laughs> sleep. But if he listens to the show later, what do you think? Withy or Ballenboy?
2: I think in a, they're in a win now. Spot and Withy is the better player um, right now. I, I think that that Withy is probably on the team. He he, was, yeah. he he did too well last year, and his contract is too reasonable to to spare what they need a, a backup center like that.
1: And quite frankly, they don't have to make that choice. They can waive Tibor Place, and that's would probably the more be the more logical cut over Jeff Withy because Jeff Withy is better than Tibor Place.
2: And the Ennis Cantor deal is over. That, yeah,
1: no, that's that's a good point. Um, I mean, I guess there's the 2018-2019 pick now, but um, player-wise, it's a, it's a shame. We'll, we'll miss Tibor and Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we do have to take a break. On the other side, we'll go around the NBA. Actually, kind of a lot of fun news stories in the NBA this week, so we'll do that next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
0: Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome
1: back into the Salt City Hoops show. ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Aaron Falk joining you. Let's get right into it around the NBA because we've got a, fun, a few fun news stories. Uh, we'll start with the end of Summer League last week, the, the Denzel Valentine buzzer beater. That's probably the most fun NBA Summer League final game of all time.
2: All right, I'm, I'm glad you guys had fun. I ch- I looked out at my phone <laughs> and saw on Twitter that there was Summer League still happening, and I thought to myself, Denzel Valentine's game winner in Summer League after 13 days in Las Vegas is the last thing you see before you die. Like, that is so long to be in Las Vegas. That's
1: that's true, and there are people who, like, anyone who dies in the next three <laughs> months, that's the last basketball, pro basketball, NBA it affiliated pro basketball that you'll see
2: certainly certainly was exciting, relative. Yeah, to but
1: never stay in Vegas it. that long. Oh gosh! Like what? We stayed five days last year and it was too long. Don't don't do it, kids.
2: Thirty six hours. Get
1: out <laughs> of there. Uh, Celtics are apparently still hot on Jalil Okafor, and there may be enough impetus to get a deal done there. I, that's such an interesting fit. Like, I, I get that he's kind of decent and a young player, but I always felt like the Celtics were enough of like a money ball team that they didn't want to do post-ups and, and kind of what Okafor's skill set is. Uh, I am kind of surprised that, that they're so willing to make that deal.
2: Yeah. Strange for Brad Stevens, a a guy who, who obviously is, is, I mean, he's a good coach and adaptable coach, but that seems far removed from what they're trying to do. Um, and also I think, we're gonna go back to it. As rookies go, I'm sort of out on Okafor a little bit. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't love him. I, I thought, you know, we looked at, at Philly last year, him when he was gone and, and it was just Noel, they were better, honestly. Right. Um I, I you know, I I'm not in love with that. Meanwhile, the Celtics just continue to be like the leakiest team out there and, and everything yeah. is is emanating from from the Celtics somehow? It's amazing. But every
1: like everything that they've thought about, wanted to do, talked about, talked about not doing, like it's like it's, on
2: somebody like Danny Ainge has a live journal up somewhere, <laughs> and he's just like
1: today. That's the big mistake. is just blogging everything you say. Like uh, again, so this this Team USA photo thing keeps happening where every time they take a team photo, somehow all the Nike logos are in the front. And all of the Adidas or Under Armour or other team lo- or other apparel logos are in in the back of the photo behind the Nike logo, so you can't see them. It's it's a grand conspiracy <laughs> of some sort that means only Nike shows up
2: in these photos. Yeah, this is actually what my family does to me in family photos. They like hide my face ah, somewhere clever. in the back. <laughs> yeah, we we clearly know who uh, who makes the rules here, yeah. and I'm sad that Steph Curry didn't go because it would have opened up to so many more Curry 2 jokes. I mean, his shoes would have been blocked out, and, and it would have been delightful internetting.
1: Right. I, I think, you know, some decisions should have been made just based on, on that. <laughs> it's, it's just it was so shocking to see, like, yeah, they had seven guys in the foreground, and then somehow had to put Clay Thompson Jimmy, and Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry behind them. Like in somebody. the weirdest yeah. boy band stance
2: <laughs> to block out you know, I think Clay Thompson's shoes or Harrison Barnes' shoes. It's very, very, very strange. Look it up if you haven't seen it. Yeah, the, the Dwight
1: Howard photo, the where uh, Coach K blocks out Dwight Howard's Adidas shoes. That one was a little bit more reasonable because he was the only one on the team, uh, and Coach K just has his leg awkwardly splayed out. But this, they had to do a lot of, a oh, lot man. of weird standing. Uh, this one's kind of sad. Kevin Garnett may not make it in, back into playing condition for another NBA season. So if that is the case he'll probably have to retire and we may lose kobe tim duncan and uh kevin garnett in the same nba offseason man
2: and no uh no farewell tour for, for kg either which i'm no. sure zach will will it will hurt zach it,
1: yeah i mean it, uh, he would have loved to see him in sacramento as gm of the Kings. <laughs> uh miles Plumley, one of the deals that was signed since their last show miles Plumley got fifty two million dollars over four years from the Milwaukee bucks
2: isn't that i mean when you look at what Azili got or, or wasn't wasn't isn't there something that
1: Azili got not that much yeah. got like, yeah, yeah I know but like year, well, i mean I guess okay. what i'm saying
2: i don't I don't love Plumley. it seems like a lot to right me
1: yeah he's to me he's There's no upside there, right? Like, ultimately, sure, four years, $52 million, it's not a crazy deal. I'd rather have, like, Miles Plumlee than Solomon Hill, for example, who got the same amount of money. That being said, uh, we've talked about how there's kind of a a oversupply of centers in this year's free agency class. And, yeah, you could have maybe done better. The other center-related question here was: Before the Wizards committed four years and sixty-four million dollars to Jan Mahinmi, they apparently had the option to sign Zaza Pachulia for two years and twenty million dollars. So instead of spending two twenty on Zaza, they spent four years sixty-four on Mahinmi. And then, once the Wizards decided not to do the, to do that, then Pachulia signed a super small deal with with Golden State. Um, was that the right move for them to spend forty four extra dollars million dollars on
2: Ian Mahimi? I mean Jan Mahimi? Like how, how I, I, I want to like feel like Jan Mahimi John, but he was like in the he's D not League. That Quinn young. Snyder coached him in the in the D League. Like that's how long he's been around at this
1: point. Yeah. Uh he is twenty nine years old. So yeah,
2: so we we know
1: largely what he is. Um Julius what, thirty one? Thirty two. Yeah. I, I mean I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather go with the two year contract for the 32 year old, basically.
2: Would you rather pay that? Would you, if you're the Lakers, you go Mozgov for that same money, would you rather have Jan Mahimi or Mozgov there?
1: Uh, Mahimi by a fair, by a bit. Uh, Mahimi's is just a better rim protector, uh, better offensive player. I think he showed a lot for the Pacers last
2: that's year. Still, that's still, that's the strangest and, mo- and most like delicious nugget to come out of night one. 1201 <laughs> phone call. We need you. Was Mazgov.
1: I mean, uh, he was probably honored. <laughs> was, like, course. oh, I will take all this cash and thank <laughs> you. And yes. I, like, he didn't get any other 1201 calls. I promise you that much. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Uh, anyway, Dario Saric is joining the Sixers next season. So they may actually have like three actual rookie of the year candidates. You've got Embiid, you've got Ben Simmons, and you've got Dario Saric, uh, who's been pretty good in Europe. I'm excited, and I'm s-
2: kind of sad for Hinky.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Like he did all this work to put it together and uh, wrote the Malcolm Gladwell esque like business. I don't know is is what would you call what that screed was of of Sam Hinkie's? The uh, referendum Manifesto. on his own yeah, manif- <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? A little bit manifestoy of of his own work, but uh, yeah, he deserved to see. These players at least play for his team, and you know I don't think they'll be good next year. But
2: do you? I was thinking about this one, and going back to Okafor and being in and out. I mean, Porzingis, Okafor. Wait, am I am I mixing? Yeah, Okafor went. It was after Porzingis. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Okay, let's. What's the draft order now? I've lost it. Carl Anthony right. Towns. Yes, Towns, Russell, Russell, Okafor. Uh, yeah. Then it was
1: Okafor three, and then Porzingis, and then Porzingis at four.
2: So to to me, that's like given how high I think a lot of people were on Porzingis, that's the least like process trusty thing that Hinkie did at the end. Like I, I think that's that's, like, that's that's a an obvious mistake in retrospect. But it seems like that was a guy with the most upside, and he somehow went with the you know the the local kid that was more well known.
1: Yeah. That that that's was the one thing. Sorry that to he rub didn't salt in way. your wound, Sam. But Joel Embiid if he turns out I still if like if he ever plays basketball again, I think he's gonna be very good, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh now that is like a legitimate question, so that's a worrying thing. Uh here's a fun story. When Indy native Jeff Teague got traded to the Pacers, he just decided to hole up in his parents' basement while looking for a home for a couple months. He's just living in his parents' basement again. NBA All Star Jeff Teague.
2: Playing him, playing as himself on 2K on the PlayStation.
1: Now, if Gordon Hayward was ever traded to the Pacers, he'd absolutely stay at home for... Uh, oh, yes. Probably his entire stay there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way he's actually buying a house, right?
2: No. Save money, first of all. And then, yeah, I mean, Ma and Pa Hayward, they're, they're not letting him out.
1: Trey Lyles probably... We know George Hill would buy his own home, because he did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Trey Lyles probably buys his own house. I'm not positive Gordon Hayward does. I think he he's got a little in.
2: while. I don't know what the Hayward estate looks like. Maybe there's a little mother-in-law back that that he and Robin could live
1: in. or It's got to like be. That. I just I think that's fantastic. That's that goes on the Jeremy Lin, uh sleeping on whose whose couch was he that he slept on in New York. Uh, I'm trying to remember.
2: Yeah, I can't remember either.
1: Well, well, we'll we'll look it up during the break and let you guys know. Uh Mark Cuban joked that Thonmaker was good for a 40-year-old during a Mavericks Bucks summer league game on ESPN. Classic Thonmaker is old joke. I mean <laughs> those are already old,
2: but whatever. It's kind of funny Thon that a Make. team's owner is actually making that Yeah, game. it was it's funny. I mean, Thonmaker, like the age thing, I mean, he was coming from Australia. It's, it's not right. You know, like his documentation is from a first world <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a very strange thing that we've gotten to this place and
1: it's not that he was like the 55th pick like uh tengai
2: ngombo the last mm-hmm. player who this happened with and if you look at photos of Thonmaker 12 years ago if he if or 12 years sorry <laughs> yeah. like four years ago he looks 12 he does not look like yeah. you know i mean this that's it's ridiculous i
1: think it, it makes old. sense
2: uh Greg
1: Popovich is in Vegas working with Team USA and explains he didn't retire uh, alongside Tim Duncan because he's got a string of high-profile Spurs that he, he said that they would be, uh, he would still be their coach as they signed their free agency contracts. I think that's sort of interesting. So like presumably Lamarcus Aldridge would be one of those guys who, in order to sign with San Antonio, wanted an assurance from Greg Popovich that he'd still be his coach. So we, we've still got at least a few more years of, of pop in, in a San Antonio Spurs sideline.
2: So many good sound bites. I love it. Yeah. Uh, are you are you pro pop sound bites? By the way, I've I've come to accept them to take them for for what what they are. I mean, in some days he's in an incredible mood, like yeah, and, and he will joke and he's he's the best. And some days, some days it's it's tough because you can ask a legitimate question and and he's got the power where he can just he just flips it by answering it by saying I won't answer that or that's stupid. And right. you know it's it's it. It, that's a cop out, but whatever. It's all it's all a game. It's all part of the weird soap <laughs> opera thing that we're involved in.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more NBA story I didn't mention: the Warriors' asking price for their little six and a quarter square inch sponsor patch over the right heart, uh, is fifteen to twenty million dollars. So that kicks in in the 2017-18 season. The Sixers are the only team that's signed there so far. They got five million dollars from StubHub. The Warriors are asking fifteen to twenty million. I'm almost kind of surprised it's not more. Quite honestly, right? Like, I mean, everybody is going to be watching them, right? All the time, even on the
2: even on the East Coast, people are staying up.
1: They probably get forty national TV games next year. Yeah, and absolutely. The Sixers get what three? Like
2: counting the NBA TV games. Uh, Meanwhile, I will wear a quarter, a six and a quarter inch sponsorship on my shirt every other day for like twenty five dollars. I mean, give, make me an offer. Twenty-five dollars for just the one-year sponsorship. Yeah, for you, Andy. I'll wear it. Uh, I, it's a,
1: I think we can. I think we can do that. We can make that happen. That's in the Salt City Hoops budget, right? We can just pay for an Aaron Vault sponsorship. <laughs> all right, we got to take our final break on the show. Uh, next up on the Salt City Hoops show, we've got jazz dancer talk. I went to jazz dancer tryouts, and I'm eager to tell you all about the jazz's new hip-hop flavor that they're adding into their dance routines next on the Salt City Hoop Drop show. that beat, Andy. ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I'm let this play a little bit.
1: A good call. Hey, girl, I just want to say to you
3: it's true. There's
1: one thing we need to do. You know we gotta make this love
3: slow down. I say, we gotta turn this thing around.
1: That's Thurl Bailey and the Jazz Brothers in like 1987, I believe, with with "Keep It Sexy." They have Carl Malone, Daryl Griffith, Kerry Scurry prominently involved in the Jazz Brothers as well. But Thurl Bailey is clearly the leader. Oh yeah, I mean, and and rightfully so.
2: And Thurl has done an incredible job of keeping it sexy. I think. <laughs> yeah. All the way.
1: His uh, suits are great with his name monogrammed into them. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're we're very pro Thurl Bailey here on the Salt City Hoop Show. All right, so our our last segment, uh, last Saturday I went to jazz dancer tryouts. Saturday morning, how did got you do? Up Nine a.m. Uh, I embarrassed myself. No, I, I I did not actually participate. Thank goodness. Uh, but the the hook this year is that they're changing to a a new hip hop style. So the uh choreographer who's been leading the jazz dancers for 21 years jan whitaker uh has now stepped down and the jazz have put in a new rotating cast of choreographers um and hopefully uh, according to the press release and according to the people i talked to on saturday want to make it more hip-hoppy more energetic more tricks and stuff and basically uh they they said they wanted to update it uh said the songs are going to get updated, the dancers are going to get updated, and the dance style is going to get updated, according to Chrissy Crater, the, the woman they brought in to teach this first dance and apparently a couple other dances throughout the season. Uh, so I wrote this article. It's on KSL.com. Check it out. There's now a backlash, and maybe a fair one, uh, that the jazz dancers have been mistreated for the last 21 years, that uh, the the previous choreographer has been mistreated, and so... It, this is very much there's a lot of drama in the dance world about uh, the the future and and past and i guess current of the jazz dancers as well they did announce their roster of of 18 to 20 i didn't actually count how many women uh this season and that's on utahjazz.com if you're a person who wants to see that i guess um it's 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 a very weird world that i've wandered into though
2: is it i mean did they settle this? Is there going to be some like bring it on style? Like, is there a dance off? Is I that... think that's only appropriate, right? They're, they're breakdance fighting. I I don't. I mean, it would be unfair to the
1: previous dancers if they breakdance fought because they didn't. They like they were they were jazz dance routines. They were you know the, more technical as as I was told. These guys are the break dancers. They do the house steps and and whatever else the the tricks and flips and et cetera so if it's a breakdance fight, it's unfair. It just needs to be like a style versus style kind of thing. And then have a panel of judges and, and see who wins.
2: You got to update the saying. It's like bringing a jazz dancer to a breakdance fight. Right. I think. But how I, I have one question about this, this story, first of all, yeah, how big was the grin on your face as you typed the sentence? There will be more popping and locking.
1: <laughs> uh, very big. I was excited for that to be noted. Uh, that is again also from the press release where that talked about the the uh, choreographers' skill sets included popping and locking, and so I I did indeed verify that when I went there and there there was popping, um, there was not locking in the dance that I witnessed, but I was told that it will be in future dances there will be locking and not just popping. So
2: how how far down how how far down this rabbit hole how how much can you tell about this like this. This feud, yeah. This feud.
1: Uh, I don't know yet. So I'm I'm interviewing a former jazz dancer tomorrow um, and hope to kind of learn more about their world. I mean, there's clearly... You can kind of read the KSL comments and hear from these jazz dancers who felt my article was unfair uh, and kind of get their point of view in, in at least how they expressed it. And, you know, I'll, I'll want to dig into some things. Clearly, they felt that the organization was too restrictive in what they could do, what they could wear, uh, what songs they could perform to. Uh, and, you know, to some degree, that fits with what you and I witness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's pretty rated PG, uh, much more so than the other NBA teams' dancers. And from what I've heard from dancers who have done both, you know, I spoke to a dancer who's been with the Utah Jazz dancers and then with another team's dancers. It's a, a different world of professionalism, or at least was up until now. Now, that being said, maybe a change pushes that in the right direction, or maybe this move is reflective of chaos behind the scenes, and that I, I really don't know yet, whether um, these women are, are, you know, attached to, rightfully so, what's been there for 21 years and has been doing good work, or if there's real gripes, and I, I hope to find that out.
2: It's interesting. I, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll be interested to hear this because just on its face, I mean, while it is – PG, like you said, I mean certainly that that fits with with the demographic, right? It's and well,
1: within the rights of the jazz to say no, you can't have the f bomb in your in your dances, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's their prerogative.
2: Yeah, I, so I think that, that the need for an update is something that outside of Kareem Copeland of the Associated Press, who is the number one critic of the in arena music and dance moves, um, end of our show. End of our show. <laughs> End of the show, according to Raymond. Right. Um Outside of that, I wonder how many people are bothered or were aware or, like, right. you know, that this was too old-timey or something like that.
1: Right. To me, like, the larger question is whether or not, like, jazz, like having a cheerleading squad or dancing squad, basically women coming out and doing something while in between these timeouts when the men work, whether or not that's a good look, period, right? Yeah. Uh, regardless of what they do, it's still kind of weird still to have that happen, right? Uh I haven't uh, you know truthfully I haven't had like a fan come up to me and say hey you know these jazz dancers would be great if they just updated the the style you know it's more like maybe cheerleading or maybe these dancers are not great in the 21st century
2: I'll be, I'm fascinated to see this play out I I want to see the follow up to this because yeah. I love a good feud.
1: I am too. I'm. I'm very interested in, uh, in, like the. I've got more like angry comments and and people who are really passionate about the subject and rightfully so, and, and then on this compared to any other story I've written, um, by a, a pretty well okay. Besides when I wrote about Caucasian Heritage Night and I heard from the racists, but uh, I think and there are a lot of them, aren't there? There are many racists. That's that's one of the things we found out recently. All right. Anyway, that's our Salt City Hoop Show. Uh, thank you guys so, mu- so much for listening. As always, you can download and listen to it as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on SaltCityHoop.com. Thanks so much to Aaron Fall for joining me on the show. Of course, man. Thank you. And uh, have a good one. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. We-